Welcome to week 16. This is one of my favorite weeks because this it's is first the, fruits. It's first fruits. It's what you would call Easter. I avoid that word most of the time, but but it's definitely the best of the best of the mission of Christ. And El, before I go any farther, I'm Farrell. And I'm Rhonda Pickering. And we're just glad to be here with you and share with you some of the beauties that we love in the scriptures, but particularly this time, we're going to share with you the Passion Week, the week of the last week of Christ for this Easter week. And we are just grateful for all of this information. And, and you know, it's so enjoyable to be able to share our hearts with you. Anyway, so just jumping right in. I'm the Resurrection. That's the title of this one. And you'll get it more as we go. And can I, can I just plug in there? Uh, in, in our last class, we talked about I am the bread of life and then how Jesus did that miracle of providing the bread for the people after that. Well, in the book of John, this is one of his seven I am statements that's always followed by a miracle that reinforces the I am statement. So when he says, I am the resurrection, the miracle that reinforces that was bringing Lazarus back. So just to start off with here, I put together this video and I used the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints New Testament collection and I edited pieces of videos all over that and I added my favorite music of Rob Gardner's The Lamb of God and oh I want to give them just, credit. Yes, uh, the church videos, we're just so grateful for the amazing videos and then also for Rob's amazing work that he did with the Lamb of God, just absolutely inspiring. So we're grateful to be able to put these together for you. So it is our hope that we're going to be able to release the whole video, but this is just a little portion of it, kind of set the tone of of what we're uh, going to be doing today, which is the last week of Christ and the Passion. Anyway, that being said, um, here Let's it is. I hope you enjoy right it. It is finished. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Then he bowed his head and voluntarily gave up his life. stone from the place where the dead was laid.
Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Touch me not, for I'm not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. So this video that we just showed you is just a little snippet from a much longer video, a 30-minute video that we are trying to get all ready so that you can enjoy it. We're going to put the link in the bottom there to go to our Vimeo site. But we're hoping to be able to put it up on Latter-day Media, but we're trying to get all the permissions in place. Anyway, thank you so much. I would love to be able to share the whole thing with you, and I'm hoping we're able to soon. Um, okay, let's just jump right into the content of this. Remember that this History of the Church, Volume 1, page 336 and 7, we have this quote from Joseph Smith saying that in 1833, that it's been 1,800 years since the Savior laid down his life. Now, I've got many proofs to the 1,800 years before being 33 AD, and I have many proofs of that, but I'm not going to take the time on this video to show you all the proofs, but we do have uh, Daniel Code 1, we have, um, in one of our previous uh, Come Follow Me's, I went into it slightly also, but just know that 33 AD, as far as I'm concerned, is not controversial. It's absolutely dead on of the year of the crucifixion. So that being established, you're going to have to take that as a given. But I'm going to take just a minute and tell you that in 32 and 31 and 30, none of those scenarios with the alignment of the stars works. So you've got to go to 33 AD. Anyway, so let's just look at the scriptural reference in Leviticus. In the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. So it's telling us what day of the month it is, but that isn't on our Gregorian calendar. That's on the Hebrew calendar. And that Hebrew calendar is based on the sighting of the new moon. And you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly shall of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the even. Okay, so just, just so that we're being clear here. So what you're saying is you're saying that because it says that the 14th day of Nisan is Passover, then astronomically by sighting the new moon and then the full moon of Passover in the year 33 AD, you can... You can actually find Passover. Yes, we can actually do that with modern astronomical software. Uh, and the reason, but not just that, because you also have the Hebrew calculated calendar that gives you the date in that year that's correct of when Passover is. And Passover is also on the calculated calendar and that calculated calendar places Passover, or Nisan 14, in the 33 AD as April 3rd. Now, April 3rd 
is also what our observations in modern astronomy software gives us. So I am absolutely solid that this was the evening of Passover. You right. Yeah, I was just going to say, this is not a chart that we have created. This is actually a screenshot at a, at a Hebrew calendar website. I think it's called cgfs.org. Yep. And it gives you, you know, you can go to any year and get the holidays off the calculated calendar that Hillel 2 set up. Once in a while, it's a little off from the astronomical observations, but it's usually pretty close. But in this year, it absolutely coincides okay. with the astronomical software or with Starry Night Pro in this instance. So this date is not in debate. Now, you could ask yourself, well, so what do we care about Passover? Well, when you understand the prophetically appointed times, you understand that the whole reason for all of those prophetic appointed times, for Passover, for unleavened bread, for first fruits, for Pentecost, for trumpets, for Day of Atonement and Tabernacles, it was given to us by the Lord to type his appointment book with the earth. Absolutely. And Passover is absolutely the appointment of the Passover of the angel of death. It was God's Which, appointment book yeah. with the earth from the foundation of the world. And it's not put into the Bible by chance. It's put in there for a reason, and that reason is it types and shadows the future. Also, it did at that time, but they did it at that time to show the mission or the missions of our Lord. Anyway, so that being said, April 3rd, 1833, I, I've said this wrong in the past, and I want to correct something I've said wrong. I've always said that when I go back to this date that I was using Google's calendar. And I realized I've been saying that wrong the whole time. It's actually Apple's calendar program that I used yeah, to go I, back. I was, I was trying to go back on Google and do it. And, and it wasn't. It was yeah. Apple that was Yeah, it's using. Apple's calendar. Just to clear that up. But that shows that Passover is on... Now, make sure you understand that the corner up there at the top above Passover says um, Thursday. And I I just wanted you to understand that it's actually the right side, not the left side we're looking at. It's the Friday, Thursday, the way they line their calendar up, especially if you look back on Sunday, you'll see it's over the number. So Friday is over the number, and that is the day. But the reason it's offset into Thursday a little bit is because... Hebrew calendars are the evening and the morning. So it's just like in Genesis. It starts in the evening and the morning. It starts the night before. So that, that's fun. Technically, it starts when you can have two, when you can see two or three stars because yeah. of the two or two witness. three witnesses. Yes, yeah, it's beautiful. So just so you know that Passover in 33 AD was Friday during the day. And so that being said, that's the one thing, well, I've said that before and offended some. Um, Friday is the tradition that we have had handed down to us, and it's actually correct. The Good Friday uh, yeah, as the crucifixion. Good Friday as the crucifixion is actually correct, and that is something we can go on. So we're going to land that, and we're going to land Nissan 14, which is... Passover in 33 AD, and that is going to be the date we're going to put on the calendar for the crucifixion. 
And for the last week of Christ, as the, we're doing the Passion Week. Yeah, we're doing the Passion Week. So we're landing that, and we boxed it in. The 14th day, and you'll keep it till the 14th day of the month, and you shall kill it, kill it in the evening. Now understand, I'm looking at this calendar more like we would, and I've separated the lines at midnight. So just understand that it actually goes till 6 o'clock in the evening the night before, and it ends at 6 right, o'clock that day. From two stars all the way Till yes, and so we just got to get start. that straight. Um, and that being said, let's go forward and let's just start laying these things in. Passover, the trial and the crucifixion, and the final inspection of the Lamb. Jesus is taken to the high priest Caiaphas. Peter denies him in this evening before. Jesus is questioned the next morning by the governor Pilate and by the king Herod. Jesus is condemned to die on the cross, and Jesus is crucified on this day, all of it on this day. In fact, you'll see that if you count the evening and then the morning until the next evening, he actually did the Last Supper and the Atonement in that evening at the midnight hour. So quick question for you. We've actually done a lot of work on um, making a handout available. Can we provide a link on, on the website for... This to be downloaded by by everyone the last week. That's of kind of your department. Down. Okay, this some of this we're just taking the highlights of what happened on this day. But Rhonda has taken the time of putting together a seven page handout where she goes through a lot of that detail and organized it according to scripture, and it's actually really good. So what 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 this is is it's just got all the scripture references, so you can actually follow what Jesus was doing every day in the last week of Christ. And what we're going to do is make this available both on our website and at Latter-day Media so you can just download it. Anyway, hope that's beneficial to you. Now let's just move forward here. And I, I, I just let you know that we're going to just step through the whole week and we're going to do it scripture by scripture and piece by piece. And you're going to find some surprises here that if you haven't seen our work, you're going to find that we're going to throw this great big old wrench in the interpretation that's been out there for many, many years. And we're going to show you, if you take scripture, literally, how it actually defines every day and has a big secret revealed in it. Kind of really fascinating when you take it into mind and you keep in mind, as Nephi would say, the manner of the Jews interpreting these things instead of from our more Western Gregorian thinking. Anyway, so the day after Passover is this day in Scripture that's been prophesied uh, in Leviticus 23, 6 and 7, and on the 15th day of the same month, so we've had the 14th day, which is Passover, and on the 15th day of the same of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread. Unto the Lord seven days you must eat unleavened bread, and then the first day you shall have a holy convocation, and you shall do no servile work therein. That is also the same way that it is interpreted as a Sabbath, but in this instance, it is a high Sabbath. It's one of the seven um, high days that is appointed by the Lord. So what this means is that no matter... Which day of the week Nisan 15 falls on in any given year, that day is a Sabbath day. And beautifully, John actually puts it in the New Testament so we can read it. And he says in John 19, 31, 
The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. Now, that has been interpreted as a normal weekly Sabbath. But John actually clarifies that in Scripture, and he writes, for that Sabbath day was a high day. So this is not a weekly Sabbath. And so we know it's the day after Passover. So we know Passover's on the 14th. So we know that this day that they're trying to get him off the cross for is the first day of unleavened bread. That day that is a Sabbath day, no matter what day of the week it is. It's a high day. Right. And that high day, and we could go into lots of different scriptures, but just understand that that is the day of unleavened bread spoken of in Leviticus, the, the 15th first day. day. Yeah. Okay. That being said, um, you know, the things that were transpiring on this day is, oh, obviously they put Jesus in the tomb after they took him on the off the cross after the ninth hour. And they put him in the tomb in Joseph of Arimathea's, I can't even spoke. Arimathea. Yeah, I can't spoke, but that's okay. I never could spilk. <laughs> anyway, um, so they put him in the tomb and and all of this takes place before sundown so that they don't violate this high Sabbath. And a large stone is put in front of the door and the wicked priests or excuse me, the wicked priests asked Pilate to have the guard stand outside the tomb and make sure nobody's in there. And of course on the other side in the spiritual world, Jesus starts doing his missionary work in the spirit world to set free the spirits of the believers. Can I make one clarification? I, I just don't want anyone to think that they took Jesus off the cross at 9 o'clock. It was the ninth hour, and the ninth hour is counting. Our, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon that he was taken off the cross. And you actually see it in scriptures both ways. In one of the Gospels, you do see it say the third 3 o'clock, or and, and it's just in one of the, one of the Gospels. But anyway... And obviously that gospel was interpreted through a Western Greek thinking when they translated it. Um, so that day, a high day, is unleavened bread. And, you know, we've all heard three days and three nights in the tomb as the sign of Jonas when he's speaking to the Pharisees. And all of our traditions don't answer that question because if he was taken off the cross Friday at 3, and then went to a weekly Sabbath the next day, and then was resurrected early the next morning, that is barely two days and two nights. Well, even if you even if you counted each piece of a day as a day, the the most you can get out of it is three days and two nights. You can't yeah. get that third night out of it. But no, it was no early enough how. in the morning, it's hard to even get the third day. I, right. I okay, know, right? it's really just two days right. at best. And that's the best scenario you can come up with. So you either believe that Scripture is not complete, and it didn't say it right, or something was messed up. Well, not just didn't say it right there, but in a dozen other yeah, places. Yeah, third day typology everywhere. Exactly. Okay, you either go there... And that's what the Christian world has handed to us through the Catholics has believed as long as I remember. Is that it was a good Friday crucifixion and an early, and an early morning Sunday resurrection. resurrection. So that being said, if, if we prove that Friday is Passover, so that two-day thing is kind of confusing. Um, so 
then if you really get into the scriptures, you begin to understand that if it's Friday, that the 16th day of Nisan was a Sabbath also. And there's actually um, one of the places in the New Testament where the Sabbath is translated plural. And I have lost track of where I did that research, but I'm just going to drop that, that it's actually Sabbath. That's actually in Matthew when it says that early in the morning they came to the tomb. That that, that it's actually in the Greek, the word for that early in the morning is two Sabbaths. Right. And so that being said, now we have the big aha, that there's two Sabbaths in a row. One is a high Sabbath, given to us by John, and the other is a weekly Sabbath. There's actually, there's actually even more, um, in, more evidence that this is a weekly Sabbath, because in the imagery of first fruits, first fruits is described in Scripture as always being on the morrow after a Sabbath. Sabbath. And that's and a weekly so, Sabbath because it counted seven sevens. Right, and so your pattern. resurrection day, no matter where you're going to say it is, has to be the morrow after a Sabbath day. And that's exactly what the women say Being when the Sabbath was passed. Yeah, they actually... They, uh, they went to the tomb. So. Yeah, so they come early in the morning after the Sabbath has passed. So that is actually going to bring us to... This Sabbath, by the way, he's in the spirit world also, also and working with to prepare for the great resurrection for those he will bring to the Father mm-hmm. at first fruits in doctrine and covenants. First fruits offering, yes, absolutely. Joseph has Smith sees him there, and then um, go go ahead, go ahead. So the day after that Sabbath would be the seventeenth of Nisan, and guess what? We have scripture to back us up. And it shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath and from the day that you brought the sheave and wave offering. So this is the day we refer to as first fruits. And that day is the beginning of the count of the Omer. And it's seven sevens in conjunction with the weekly Sabbath. Other than it starts on the first day of the week and ends on the seventh day of the week, seven sevens, and then Pentecost once again, is on the first day of the week, or um, Shavuot. Anyway, so that being said, that gives us all of a sudden a picture that's different than our traditions. Well, so before you go on, just a minute, because I think this is so important right here. Number one, I want everybody to notice it says, from the morrow after the Sabbath, okay? And there, and there, there's a lot of argument out there um, between the rabbis and the way the uh, Jews that do the holidays, the way they were cited, the Karaite Jews in the, in the Old Testament, that the Sabbath day that they're talking about would be just that high day that would be right after Passover. But those of us that know our Savior Jesus Christ, know that there is no way the Sabbath day right after Passover could be the one that they're talking about because if Jesus was resurrected after that Sabbath, there there's no way you can get three days and three nights. Which is about where we're going to go. So Right. So what, what we're trying to say by this is that Jesus Christ's own sign 
that he would be crucified on a Passover day and that he would be resurrected on a first fruits day and that there would be three days and three nights in between proves that it that there had to be a, a Sabbath that was the high Sabbath, then there had to be another Sabbath that he was resurrected right after. So it it kind of solves all those arguments. Right. Of course, there's another argument that you have with a lot of Messianic Christians uh, who, who try to put a day between the two Sabbaths. And the problem with that is where I'm going to go next. Yeah, it bumps. Okay? And where I'm going to go next is... Hope you're going to Emmaus. Uh, is to Emmaus. But I'm gonna, <laughs> okay. first off, we're going to go okay. to what happened on that morning, on resurrection morning. The two angels rolled away the stone, and we put that in that video, the scenes of that in on our video at the beginning here. And it's the resurrection day. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. And he says to Mary, touch me not. Actually, those those two angels... Are named in the Ascension of Isaiah. I know. So. I was going to have you go there. Go, go for it. <laughs> well, one of them is for sure named Michael, and then if you do cross-referencing, you can get that the other one was Gabriel. Gabriel so and Michael. Michael so. and Gabriel were the angels that actually rolled the stone away. Right. It's really beautiful. Anyway, so this first fruits offering of the barley is actually when Christ he tells Mary, "Touch me not, for I have not ascended unto the Father," and the traditions. And the, the the ordinance of, of first fruits, they bring two sheaves of wheat and bring it and wave it before the Father. And Christ's whole symbology here is that he is the first fruits and he's bringing that first resurrection to the Father. And and Mary can't touch okay. him until he's fulfilled his mission. Okay, We're, you're going to have to go back and you're going to have to redo that because you said that they're offering two sheaves of wheat here. Did I say wheat? And it's one sheaf of barley. <laughs> two sheaves of wheat is Shavuot, and this is the barley resurrection at Christ. They're offering the barley harvest in the temple, one sheaf. You're sure you're right, because I'm... I am 100% sure I'm right. Okay, because I, I remember before you say it was two, but and I thought I'd read it's two. But it's anyway. one omer on... On first fruits, the barley is two omers on the wheat. Okay, I don't know if I can reproduce what I just did. But. Um, you anyway. Need to, hang on. You need to go back to when you're talking about is the resurrection first fruits. <clears throat> so Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. And he's talking to Mary and he says, Touch me not, for I have not ascended of the Father. And what he is referring to is he hasn't presented the offering of of the barley to the father the offering of the barley represents that first resurrection and he hadn't presented it to the father yet right because in in the temple there on first fruits right after passover and in this particular week in 8033 that would have been three days and three the morrow after the weekly sabbath would have been the three days and the three nights after passover the high priest in the temple would have been taking the first fruit of the barley harvest and he would have been waving it before the altar. And this is symbolic. All of the harvests that were presented in the temples, whether it was the barley in, at, at first fruits that this is the time of Christ's resurrection or the wheat at the time of the wheat and the tear resurrection when the wheat wheaters resurrected and the tares are burned, 
or whether it's the grape harvest at the second coming of Christ, all of these harvests of barley, wheat, and grape represent different resurrections. Absolutely. And so the high priest is offering the barley, the first the very earliest, the first harvest in the temple. And it's important to know that um, when a high priest was getting ready to make an offering in the temple, he had to be in isolation because he couldn't get defiled in any way. Okay, so going ahead now, we know that this quote of you the didn't road... finish it. Would I passed be... it to you to finish that because the high priest was in isolation, he couldn't be touched, and that's why Jesus told Mary not to touch him. Just finish it. Don't say you didn't finish it. Just finish it. Okay, so I'll finish it then. Okay. So the high priest had to be in isolation, and that is what's going on here. When Jesus tells Mary, don't touch... When Jesus tells Mary, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to the Father... The high priest has not yet presented the offering to the Father, Landed. and so he is still in isolation so that he is not defiled in any way when he makes that offering. And the offering that Jesus is presenting to the Father is, of course, in DNC 138. It's all of the saints that have been waiting joyously for this moment to ascend from their prison with the Savior to the throne. Which is absolutely incredible, these symbology of these resurrections. Okay, now the big thing that actually kind of nails down this whole concept is the road to Emmaus. I love this. I know. And so. This was key for me. It's absolutely key. And behold, two of them went the same day. What same day? The day that they came to the tomb, the day that Mary and them came to the tomb so it's that same day that later in the day that they the morning of the resurrection to a village called Emmaus we call this the road to Emmaus but we trusted had been he that should have redeemed Israel and besides this today is the third day since these things happened so it's not it's not just just the the sign of Jonas where it's three days and three nights, but it's also here in the road to Emmaus that it's the third day. Now that model that that some of the messianics have, right, that it's where the you put a day, day between you know, you the put two day Sabbath between, yeah. days, that bumps Emmaus to the fourth day. Yeah, it would be the fourth day, and then make a. We call that. Ron and I have coined a phrase that actually we borrowed it from Michael Rood, but we call that a critical error. That's a critical error that the road to or a mass, fatal error. Fatal error, yeah. I like that. That's what it was, really fatal error. Anyway, the third day makes it not possible for there to be a day between, like you have a lot of messianics say. The third day means it had to be the seventeenth. And there had to be and here you are. A double one, Sabbath, two Sabbaths two, back to back. Three. Third day, okay. first fruits. Right. And I, I personally have another point of view that I feel and that's that if, if there had been a day in between the two Sabbath days then why would the women have waited clear yeah. to the end to go back to the well, tomb because they, I, they would have gone to the tomb the first opportunity they could and that's what the scripture said and when the Sabbath was passed man they're there before sunrise 
first thing in the morning. Well, and we had this this thing brought to us before, and we actually very carefully looked at the words that they bought oils and spices before the Sabbath, the first Sabbath, that evening of his crucifixion. And is when they got their spices, and yeah, then they waited until, until the, the morning after the resurrection, or the morning of the resurrection, I'm sorry, when they headed back to anoint the body. Anyway, so that clears up this third day thing. Um, now, let's just go back to John 12, 1, where we see six days before Passover, Jesus travels to Bethany, where Lazarus was, the home of Mary and Martha. So now we know where Passover is. Let's just count back six days. One, two, three, four, five. This count's kind of slow. Six. <laughs> there you go. Maybe I'll move the speed up six. in the future. Anyway, okay, so we, we have six days now. So we know that Friday was Passover. Six days before is now Saturday the 8th. And we counted it out there for you. That's when he arrives in Bethany. Now, when he arrives in Bethany, he's been walking. So we know that that wasn't the Sabbath. Right, because they only are allowed to walk so many three steps. quarters of a mile on the Sabbath, according to Rabbinic Now, law. Christ didn't always worry about that, but the things that didn't matter, I think he... Right. Yeah, I, and he wouldn't have, you know... His whole something. point about healing on the Sabbath day... And that that being a legal thing and a, just a rule of the rabbis that they've made up. I mean, yes, you can't work on the Sabbath day. But if you look at the structure of the, the 7,000 years of the earth, the 7,000 years or the millennial day is the Sabbath of the earth. And what happens during the millennium? Yes. Everyone is healed. Right. So Jesus symbolically is saying, Saturday, you can heal on the Sunday Sabbath. Sunday is a day of healing. And, and, and here they're telling God that you shouldn't be healing people on the Sabbath day. And Jesus is, you know. Now, you would have a lot of so people. I think that he wouldn't pay attention to him for that. But I think that, you know, their definitions of what work looks like and everything. I, th I, I, don't, I think he wouldn't try and pick a fight over that. Well, and even then, he would want to spend his last Sabbath with his family and, and the disciples yes. and stuff. Yes. But anyway, so being said, I mean, you could argue, some people would argue that the Passover wasn't Friday, and we've just proved it is Friday. Now, some people, if they said it was in a different year, they have all kinds of crazy arguments, which we're not going to contest in this presentation. But know that Joseph Smith very firmly confirms 33 AD, and we know exactly when Passover was in 33 AD, so we know exactly when six days before is. So that puts the 8th of Nisan, Hebrew calendar, on a Saturday. Okay, so, and that's when and he Jesus arrives. he's walking to Bethany. And he's walking to Bethany, and he arrives in Bethany. Okay, so now we know that it's a Saturday. Okay, so let's just go forward. The next day, how do I know it's the next day? The very next verse. John 12, 2. What does John 12, 2 say? And there they made him supper. Guess what just happened? We walked to Bethany. Two stars. We just went into the evening. Supper in the evening. We just new changed day. days on the Hebrew calendar. Okay, so the new day... Um, Martha serves, Lazarus sits at the table with Jesus, Mary anoints Jesus' feet with ointment of 
spikenard ordinance against the day of his burying. Smelling the odor of the ointment, Judas questions the expense. So Judas is all about the money, and he's questioning there. But here's the point. This whole day, he's spending with his disciples on his last Sabbath. And they're all gathered to... And what's interesting is the scriptures say that they're not just gathered there to see Jesus. They're, they're gathered to, to see, see Lazarus, Lazarus too. Yeah. Because made a big splash. Big deal. he's raised right? him from the dead. Yes. And many people in Jerusalem for Passover know he was there and come to see Jesus and Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And the chief priests consulted to put Jesus and Lazarus to death because they didn't know what to do with it. It was just messing their whole game plan up. So That's the washing crazy, of the feet. You know, that Lazarus just got raised from the dead and already they're plotting to kill him again. So the washing of the feet, this ordinance that takes place, um, Mary does. Mary, and, she anoints his head uh, and his anoints feet, his head and actually. feet. This is, this is very sacred. And it took place on Sunday, the 9th of Nisan, which I'm going to argue, well, you can just see the way it counted, is a Sabbath. It is Sunday, and that is the revolutionary idea. All of a sudden. Actually, we didn't create this. Yeah, I didn't we, create we this. I just rebuilt the week. When we, when we, based on the Hebrew like, and everything. Oh, my gosh. And then I all of a sudden realized that the reason Joseph didn't fix the Sabbath is because the Sabbath actually wasn't broken well we can prove that the mathematically that and astronomically that the sabbath in the last week of christ that jesus was honoring honoring as the weekly sabbath was was our Sunday. sunday and there's a lot of lengthy explanation i could get to how the jews got off and the jews got off a whole nother lesson it's it's a way long discourse and Rhonda could go into the Seder, Seder Alam, Seder Alam of how yes. they actually manipulated their years and did lots of things. And everybody says, "Oh, the Jews wouldn't have lost track of their Sabbath." Well, the Jews deliberately manipulated their years, and just to make Daniel's numbers not work. And, and there's a they pretty absolutely, good argument that when Hillel to fix the calendar, he, he did fixed it the to Sabbath not be day. on the Christian Sabbath. <laughs> he fixed the Sabbath day as well. So yeah. So in that situation, you know, guess what, folks? DNC fifty nine says that Sunday is the Sabbath, and Saturday is not, and never was. Wasn't at the time of Christ. Isn't now. So that whole argument. Unless you want to say that Saturday evening at 6 starts the Sabbath, which that could be said, okay, but it goes evening so to evening. I, I want to be super clear here. We're not saying that the Sabbath day isn't the seventh day and that it isn't critical. I mean, it's commanded uh, that we keep the Sabbath day holy, but... This argument over which day of the week it is, so many people just assume right out of the gate well, they, that the Jews have it right, they, that it's a Saturday Sabbath. Yeah, they but, stand hard fast on this. But you have the Muslims that wa- that have a Friday Sabbath, and then you have the Christians that have a Sunday Sabbath. And the Brigham Young even said that we shouldn't make a big deal about which day is the Sabbath day? Because we don't know which day was exactly the Sabbath day at creation. So 
The point is, is that the assumption that the Jews couldn't get it wrong is an assumption. Absolutely. And, and for me, it's not even a debate anymore because I've done the astronomical observations. I've done the count. I've done um, PNC, church history. And different than times past, we now know when Passover was. Right. And and so because we know exactly when it was and we know exactly when today is, we can actually count the number of days back and Which figure I this did. out. And I showed of you course. that slide. Right. So what I'm trying to say is this is absolutely correct as far as the way it lines out. And it is absolutely completely a surprise to me. And But when I found it, I found it. And I'm like, I don't argue with Scripture. I just learn from it and i'm grateful for that opportunity and that is just such a fascinating thing that a gift a gift that we can reconstruct the last week of christ we live in a day when knowledge is increased as it says in daniel and we have the opportunity to do things they couldn't do we can actually reconstruct it now okay so now going forward We've now decided that the ninth, he was doing ordinances with his disciples. He was doing them with Mary. He was enjoying his last Sabbath before his suffering with his family and friends, which everyone would do. And then we go on to verse 12, I think it is, and we have the selection of the lamb. And that is also prophetic. And it also fits the prophetic. It's verse 3 in chapter 12, just clarify. That's Exodus. I'm talking in John. It was chapter... Oh, okay. Okay, we go forward, but in Exodus it is verse 3. Anyway, so prophetic tenth day in Exodus, which we're studying right now, Exodus, speaking to the congregation of Israel, saying, in the tenth day of this month, they shall take them Every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. So now this 10th day of the month, guess what? When we look up at our our week, Nisan 14, 13, 12, 11, the 10th day right there on Monday is actually the triumphal entry. It's not Palm Sunday. It's Palm Monday. And that is revolutionary. And almost everybody gets it wrong. Because they haven't built this piece by piece, logic by logic. Okay, this day is the day he rides into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, and presents himself as Israel's Passover lamb. Much people taking palm branches cry Hosanna. At the temple, the inspection begins. The Greeks and the Pharisees and all the believers begin to inspect the lamb, which is also... The pattern given in Exodus and Leviticus, that the four days between the triumphal entry, between the presentation of the lamb on the triumphal entry to Passover, is for the inspecting of the lamb. And where was he? In the temple to be inspected the whole time until the last supper time. And I I just wanted to clarify that in Exodus, it doesn't say that the selection of the lamb is the triumphal entry. We don't really have a triumphal entry until this time, the last week of Christ. But it is a fulfillment of Exodus. Right, because when at the triumphal entry, what's going on, the reason everybody's lining the streets is because the high priest 
was over in the fields of Bethlehem choosing the temple lamb that would represent Israel that was one year old without blemish and no broken bones. He was choosing that lamb. And because this lamb would represent all of Israel, this lamb had to be witnessed by Israel. And so everybody lined the streets every year for the the selection of the lamb. And here would come the high priest with the lamb, but not in the last week of Christ. You take it. Wow. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's Fourth of July time. It's it's the presentation of the symbolically land. a parade. Symbol, it's a parade. It's him coming through the streets. However, he slipped in front of the high priest, who would have been carrying the lamb on his shoulders, and he was the Lamb of God, who was presented on this day. And I like to say it like like. Any good 4th of July when the parade starts, everybody's looking up the street and they see the first parade float and they all start to go, there it comes, it's all coming. Well, he comes in and that's what they're doing. They start they start praising and and, and calling out Hosanna, the, Hosanna because Hosanna. that's God what they us. do on the 10th day in the temple. They present, they, they praise the high priest bringing the lamb for Israel and they sing well, it's Hosanna. The, it's the offering of this lamb that is going to rectify Israel with their God. Exactly. And so they're, they're, everyone's inspecting to make sure it has no blemish. And they're crying out Hosanna. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees are having a fit. Yes. So totally, you know, they just, they just say, well, stop the crowd. And he says, if they don't, the rocks will cry out. Jesus anyway. says... So that is the triumphal entry. And if you go to the Star of Bethlehem, you will find out that... And the Star of Bethlehem being a video. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's Bethlehem I, Star, a Hebrew wedding in the sky on our website. Right. I called it wrong. Star right. of Bethlehem actually was uh, uh, Larson's uh, video that I kind of learned from. But anyway, in our video, Bethlehem Star, a Hebrew wedding in the sky, it points out that it was also the tenth, the presentation of the Lamb, which was the birth of our Savior 33 years earlier. Right, because he On was, a Hebrew calendar. Because, just to explain that really quick, in the Book of Mormon, 13, chapter 8, uh, verses 2 and 5, it says that he was 33 years and four days old. So if we, that was when he was crucified. So if he was crucified on Passover, when he was 33 years and four days old, then... Passover 33 years earlier plus four days backwards would be when he was born. And so Passover is Nisan 14, four days backwards is Nisan 10. So here again, you've got this beautiful imagery of a lamb being selected in the fields of Bethlehem. In the fields of Bethlehem for the birthday of Christ and one of the requirements of the lamb is that it has to be firstborn. Who are the only people that can witness which lambs are firstborn? Exactly. Of course, and that is why the shepherds, the shepherds needed to needed be there to be at, the, at his birth on Nisan 10 at the selection so of the, the lamb. beauty of Scripture so beautiful. is that God leaves no stone unturned. The, when he had the angels come to the shepherds and told them to go, it was to fulfill a perfect type of... The Lamb of God. Of the Lamb of God. A perfect type. The so first every lamb of God. detail 
about what Moses commanded them to observe in the Passover was to point to the Lamb of God, Jesus of Nazareth. Okay, so the selection of the Lamb takes place on the 10th, and just straight up, you can see that that was a Monday. Now, all of your, or not all, but, well, yeah, everybody. I don't know anybody that says this other than this crazy guy here and her. (laughs) They absolutely want to make the day he arrives at Bethany um, and then the triumphal entry the very next day. They want it to be Sunday, and so that's why we call it Palm Sunday. That's why the Catholics have handed down Palm Sunday, because they don't understand the Hebrew, that they fixed him supper and the day changed. And then if you read later in John, it then says the next day he goes for the triumphal entry. That's the detail that gets missed. And therefore, in everybody's last week, they don't know what to do with what he did on Wednesday. Nobody knows. Yeah, they're like, they're we like, don't have a record of what happened here. And All of a like, sudden, Wednesday's a void. And it, it wasn't because it's they got it off. They forgot the day change between Nissan 8 and Nissan 9. Just so you know. Anyway. That being said, um, that was kind of a shiny object, but it was a shiny object. <laughs> but it's related. really cool to know how <laughs> everybody know. gets off. So, on the inspection of the lamb, I was going to hand that one to you and let you explain the inspection of the lamb. Awesome, quite a bit. yeah. <clears throat> it's really beautiful when when you start to put all of these scriptures together. And again, let's remind you that we have a lot more details with the scripture backup on each of these days. In that little in, in the little handout that we are going to make available to you that you can just download and print um, either at Latter-day Media or you can get it in our FAQ section on our website. On we'll make that prophetic available. Appointment. Yes, as well for these first fruit or Easter, as we want to call it in, in our pagan tradition. <laughs> um, but we we want to make this available for you so that you can have this like a little bit of a handout. Um, so let's take a look now at what would have been one, what is going to be the second day of the inspection of the Lamb, because that first day, the triumphal entry, remember he goes up to the temple, and they actually have going to start to plot it said that they were trying to plot to kill jesus and lazarus right and so at this point jesus is going to enter the city and he's going to see a tree with no fruit leafy tree it's a leafy tree with, with no fruit and and he's going to curse the fig tree and you know have you have you ever felt like you know Poor Gosh, tree. what did that fig tree ever do to you? <laughs> you know? It's the one thing you think about. Right. That wasn't kind. I so struggled with that, you know. And then all through the scriptures, you've got learn the parable of the fig tree and everything. And I'm like, well, what am I missing here? So we learn from the Doctrine and Covenants that when the gospel is being restored, the imagery that is there in D&C 35 and 45, that the, the fig tree is leafing. So the restoration of the gospel, the gospel doctrines being restored, that's the leafing of the fig tree. So what Jesus is seeing here is a fig tree that has all the leaves. You've got the fullness of the gospel here being taught by Jesus Christ. The the tree is full of leaves, but they are rejecting him. They're plotting to kill Jesus' son Lazarus. And so the leaders of Israel have 
refuse to let the tree have fruit on it. They're actually going to cast out of the synagogue anyone that believes in Christ. And this, you're going to see here... He actually makes a painful statement there somewhere, and I can't remember exactly where, but they don't... They enter not in, and they don't let anybody enter in, and they go not themselves. Right. And so they're whited mm. sepulchers, right? Yeah. And the the imagery that you get here is that you're going to see that we all know that Jesus on the Mount of Olives, actually it's going to be on Wednesday, is going to weep on the, on, the, on the side of the Mount of Olives as he sees Jerusalem and realizes it's going to be destroyed because they're About rejecting him. About the same time him. as the Olivet Discourse, right? Yeah, that's, that's actually on Wednesday. Yeah. We'll get to it in just a second. But the, the point that I want to make here is that's not the only time he weeps. He weeps here too. Because that he weeps on the tri- day of the triumphal entry, he weeps because they have rejected him, and he knows <coughs> that this fig tree um, is going to, and it's symbolic. This Israel, the fig tree, is going to wither and dry up from the roots because they have rejected him. Not just you know as you know, it, it's not like. A punishment it's because if you mm-hmm. reject the one who came to atone for your sins then you are going to die and stay dead until well, you believe in who he who is the resurrection and the life and israel did wither right 37 years later they in 70 did. a.d yes when titus <clears throat> came in and destroyed jerusalem so this victory that is a symbol of israel is cursed and You'll notice that in the restoration in the Doctrine and Covenants, we're talking about the the tree is leafing out again, but this time in the end time, the tree is going to bear fruit. And so this is the parable of the fig tree that he's talking about here. And on Tuesday morning, when he goes in there, and and of course the the days weren't called Tuesday. The days called Tuesday back then. No. No, I don't think so. They, they, well, they didn't have their Roman. I don't know. It might have been. They might have been. Some of them were like Babylonian Rome. and all Yeah, they probably things. were. So I, I don't know Some what they called it. Called. In the Bible, we're supposed to call it the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day. But um, the Romans did use the pagan names. Yeah, and, and even the Jews picked up the Babylonian names for the months when they were yeah, taken true. captive into Babylon. So anyway, the point is we're, we're going to call it by our... Our day. Days of the week for now, just to be clear. Okay, so we're going to call it Tuesday. Um, Here is Jesus is going to cast the leaven out of his father's house. This is what we look at as throwing the money changers out. Remember that they were, because they were in control of the temple and, and which animals would be acceptable and without blemish and all that, and they control the exchange of the money and the coins and everything. This this had turned into a lucrative... Priestcraft? Yeah, priestcraft. <laughs> yeah, priestcraft. And during this time, they had... The, all of Israel was supposed to be casting leaven out of their house, eating unleavened bread for seven days. And this was all symbolic of getting sin out of your house. And here Jesus was casting the leaven out of his father's house when he overthrew the money changers' temples there. He's going to heal the man born blind. He's going to, it's so beautiful to study the miracles that he's doing during this time because they are messianic proof 
that he is who he says he is if you understand Jewish law. And then we're going to go ahead and go to Wednesday. You want to go to the next day? All right. So there there and as he's in teaching in the temple everybody's asking him questions this is symbolic of this four days of inspecting this lamb that you chose on the 10th to make sure that it's a perfect lamb and by this day the tree before is you withered. offer it just in that yeah. much time it's withered yeah and so then the next day as they're going back in that the the, the disciples they marvel that the tree has already withered and that is um symbolic that the leaders of Israel have hardened their hearts. They they are not out there to listen to Jesus anymore. They're there to trap him, and they're there to get rid of him. Okay, this the, the, it's already in, it's already cast image. it's already cast in stone. Okay, so Jesus is going to teach in the temple, and here here again he, Jesus is going to weep over Jerusalem and and those that are rejecting him at this time, and then. Um, as he leaves the temple, he's going to give all, all kinds of beautiful, beautiful... We actually have a, a huge amount of parables and teachings that Jesus taught on Wednesday in the temple. We've got the... the Well, you've got the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes. You've got them all trying to trap Jesus, trying to trick Absolutely. him. Absolutely. So they, they come and they ask him about the coin. and, and Yeah, he's, he's just responding and, and teaching. And all then the people are astonished. His, yeah. At, at his perfect answers. Yeah, they can't trap him. They can't trap him. They can't find any fault with him because he is the perfect lamb. Yeah. Right? And then he goes on the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives, yes. And then he's going to re-explain the sermons that he gave at the temple. He's going to give kind of like a private briefing to, to the uh, disciples in in Matthew 24. To his inner circle. Yeah. So Luke 21 is more to the public in the temple Matthew 24 and the, and the Olivet Discourse is, is more the Q&A to the disciples about the Olivet Discourse that he gave that day. Um, then he's going to tell them at that point that he will be crucified in two days. So here, again, you can see that it fits perfectly. All, All the pattern scriptures, fits. Every scripture fits perfectly into this, into this pattern. And does, that does not work for any other pattern that we have seen. Yeah, but there's a fatal is, error. Yeah, they keep always. stumbling over a fatal error somewhere. Okay, so um, then of course Jude, Judas is at that point going to give Make the, the leaders the, the the ticket that they've been waiting for the inn to get him because all the people are just amazed at at and there he's gaining more and more popularity with them while he's gaining more and more. Um, Jealousy. Yeah, jealousy and, 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 and intent. To and we got to stop this guy, stop this blasphemous yeah. guy. Yeah. Right, and so Judas is going to <clears throat> offer to help him out. And when, if, I believe we're going to be able to get this video up, but we still got a few permissions to get. And when you see this video that we put together, it'll actually lay this out in such a beautiful way with absolute beautiful music. right because you you actually took the the beautiful work that the church has done with with um the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints i want to make that clear um on on these videos of christ in the bible and the new testament and and farrell just you know clipped all of these beautiful pieces together in the right order with absolute beautiful music. for the way it went down yeah and then put uh, rob gardner's 
Yeah. Amazing music behind it. Yeah. So now we've kind of finished up Wednesday. Now we get to Thursday. And in Thursday, the day before the crucifixion, he makes the statement to his 12 disciples and those around him that are in his inner circle. And when the hour has come, he sat down with the 12 apostles and with him he said unto them, with desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now, we also, he, in a previous scripture, and I, I didn't put it up, I but he says, <laughs> I, I should have put you it up. You should have put that scripture. It, it You're says, going for the hour at the well, triumphal entry. Well, I'll, I was going to go for several things, but in this particular point, I wanted to go for the fact that he tells them to prepare. So it is this day they're preparing right. for the Passover the meal that evening. Now, remember that even though I've got it up there the way we think of the days, that the evening of Thursday is actually the beginning of Friday based on a Hebrew calendar. So the hour he's talking about, that evening hour that's come, is coming, is actually what we would consider Thursday night. But it's actually the beginning of Passover at 6 o'clock that evening. It is when he sits down with the 12 and eats the Seder meal. Uh, he actually... Seder meaning the, the order. order. He it's eats the, the order Passover. of the meal of the Passover. It was so, commanded. Yeah, so Jesus' disciples get ready for the Passover Seder, the, the, the ordinance of Passover. And he sits down with them and he eats with them and every piece, it just fits perfectly into the pattern. And then he, after he dismisses Judas... And which is fascinating, he, you know, because he dismisses Judas. I, I want to be really clear here, though, that he dismisses Judas right after he washes the... Uh, they, they're just starting the meal. They, they haven't gone through the whole Seder. So Judas doesn't even... He's not even there when Jesus introduces the covenant sacrament cup and everything. Judas well, is long gone. And he, he's not there for the washing of the feet, as I understand it, either. He, he's already dismissed Judas. No, and no, he's you think dead. he's there? I think so, yeah. Um, we'll have to check that one thoroughly, um, more thoroughly. Anyway, so he washes the feet and he reveals, oh yeah, it's, reveals Judas will betray him. Oh, uh, I know why you think that and why I don't. I figured it out. Because in the scripture it says that Jesus, after, after dinner, Jesus washed their feet. But that is actually a mistranslation. If you go to the Blue Letter Bible, it is um, before the meal that Jesus washes the feet. He washes it right after the first cup of wine. At that point in a normal Seder or, or Passover meal, the, um, the leader will wash his hands. And rather than wash his hands, Jesus will wash their feet because there's been confusion over who sits where at the table yeah and that that story about them saying who's the greatest amongst us sometimes we think that was kind of a petty childish thing to say but you got to realize the reason they were asking is because they had an order a, how they in the passover right? seders they have an order of how they sit based on age and on age and seniority and, you know, seniority so the the oldest son and and it would just go in order and the reason they were asking is to know what order to sit not necessarily because they were so petty. And that makes it even more beautiful because Jesus Christ, in his exemplary way, taught them that 
he who is greatest among you, meaning himself, is the servant servant of all. So he's he's basically teaching them a great lesson that greatness comes So there's a little bit of confusion of when the washing of the feet was because of the way it's translated, but um, because we know the order of the Seder, and that that flags us, and we go and we look at the verse, and we look at the translation, and there's an error there. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Jesus entered into the sacrament at that time, as we understand it, but it is also part of the Seder service where they have that cup and the breaking of bread. And that would be the cup after dinner, the third cup. And then they they do their normal music and hymn. And, well, before and they do that, I, I was just going to say this is this. You know, when they get to the fourth cup, which is the last one, um, Jesus says, "I won't drink this with you." again until Until I drink it in the kingdom. kingdom. And at this point, he explains to them that he's going to die. And the disciples weep here because they begin to get a clue and they don't know what to do. And and then he tells them that um, this night they will all deny him. And, and, oh, that's that's rough. How does he put it? They will scatter, you know. Anyway, so that Last Supper is actually the evening of the 13th, but by Hebrew dating, is actually the beginning of the next day. It's the beginning of the day of his crucifixion. And then at the midnight hour, he retires to Gethsemane, and at the same hour, cyclically speaking, that the angel of death passed over ancient Israel. He is at midnight. At the midnight hour. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and that's when he bleeds from every pore and spiritually atones for the sins of the world. Um, I, I don't want to leave it at atoned. I, I really want to emphasize that there's just not a magic way to atone for sins. There's a price well, that has to be paid, and that's what it actually means. It means... The price that was paid. Tell well, us but, time. But, but let's, let's evaluate it. that in concept. Why does the God who has power over all things need to have an atonement? And the answer is, is because God absolutely supports justice. Right. Okay. And in order for justice mercy to... Mercy can't rob justice. Mercy can't rob justice. Back to the Book of Mormon. Yeah. yeah. What we have here is that the only way for justice to be given is for someone to pay the price. Right. So if somebody steals, somebody has to pay it back. And that is just such a... So, you know... One of the most impactful things that I heard with regard to that was that, you know, you hear, well... The Jews, they're, they, they're the cursed fig tree. They, they crucified Christ. And that is an absolutely incorrect way to see what happened. Because the Jews were not the reason that those nails were in Jesus' hands and feet. I was the reason. We were all the reason. It, it was my sins and actually, that put him on that cross. He revealed the commandments in Exodus that required them, if they didn't accept him as the Messiah, to crucify him. 
Yes. Because blasphemy was punishable by death, and I like to call that checkmate. Exactly. He, he, he said, put, I am. He put the Jews in checkmate that they either accepted his position or by the laws given to them by Moses, and that they check, had to crucify him. That checkmate him. was in John chapter 8 where he said, before Abraham was, I am. I am. And that's just beautiful because in essence... And now that you've studied Exodus, you know exactly what he meant. <laughs> yeah. And so it's so beautiful to note that that checkmate was on purpose. Yes, because his hour had come. And that was the other thing that... Remember I said I, I thought you wanted to throw in there the scripture about um, about when he entered into the triumphal entry with the hour because it's it's very beautiful that 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 evening in John it says that um, Jesus was was sad because they were rejecting him and at that point he turns to the father and he prays and it says that there was like a clap of thunder and and Jesus tells the father he he says father I, my heart is heavy for this hour, he says. But for this hour, I have come. come. Yeah. And and he says, but thy will be done. I will glorify thy name. And then that's what the father responds to. He says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And yeah. and but the John seventeen was beautiful. That right. But the point that I want, the reason I made that point, is because we need to understand that that hour came. That. This hour of Christ started at the triumphal entry. So this hour of Christ goes from the triumphal entry to the the resurrection, which is a seven-day period. And that is a prophetic parallel to the end time. That would be a seven-day hour of judgment. This this period of time we're talking about. Right. And in the end time, there's this seven-day this hour of judgment that is actually seven years. So Jesus's hour, if you pay attention very carefully in Scripture, was from the triumphal entry to the resurrection. Right. It's a seven-day period. So I want to just take the moment and uh, go through the actual day of Passover one more time. At the day of Passover, in the morning, at 9 o'clock, the high priest is in the temple and he begins the sacrifice at the third hour, which would be our nine o'clock in the morning. And he begins a sacrifice and he's sacrificing all day long. Uh, They, it's more than one priest, I'm sure. And they're sacrificing all day long for all of Israel. Janet, you pause right there. I just want to explain that they start counting the hours at 6 a.m. Yeah, the first hour, it would be our 7 o'clock. The second hour would be our 8 o'clock, et cetera, et cetera. Right, and then the ninth hour would be 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Right. And that's the anyway, so they start at the third hour at the time he is placed on the cross. So the symbology perfectly matches. And then we come to the end of the day, and in the temple, the high priest gets to the end of the day, and he stops. It's the end of the sacrifice for the day. And he says... First of all, he clears his throat. And And he says, I thirst. And And the priest goes and gets him a drink of water to clear his throat. And all this stuff is being enacted by Jesus. And so at the time he's saying, I thirst on the cross. The high priest is saying, I thirst. And then the high priest raises his hands and says, it is finished at the third hour. 
which is, excuse me, the ninth hour, which is our three o'clock, and says, it is finished at the same time. He's on the cross and says, and it's finished. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect fulfillment of scripture and types and shadows. So let's just finish the count. The Saturday, Sunday, and Monday on on the chart here. And you now have the rebuilding, scripture by scripture, totally in context of the last week of Christ. Absolutely incredible picture of how beautifully it all fits together when you just let the scriptures speak to you instead of speaking to them. And the Catholics got it confused because they didn't believe in the high days. Okay, so... They actually made them illegal. I was just going to say, didn't believe is very nice. Um, Yeah, they actually made it illegal by death. And they would punish the Jews... And, and people that worship, uh, people that observe the Passover on the 14th of Nisan, they were called quattrodecimans. And all of this stuff was punishable by death. Exactly. They For nearly 300 years. Keeping the feast days and uh, absolutely illegal. And so that's why we lost the high days. Okay. So this is the chart that we have available to you on our website. This is the... Scripture by scripture, the bottom portion being the prophetic scriptures that lead to it, and the top scriptures being the fulfillment of. This chart is available on our website. It is the last week of Christ. And every little scripture points to where it's being yeah, fulfilled on to this the fulfillments. Timeline. This is, and I, I know that there'll be many who question, who are you to go through and point this all out? Well, the answer is I'm, I'm not anybody. But the scriptures speak. Just let them speak to you. If you just listen in the context of the understanding of the Hebrew roots of how they came about, there's only one way it fits. And And there's only one year it fits. And in reality, it was only the understanding of the prophetic appointed times that made it all fall together. Absolutely. And, And that's why we call our website Prophetic, prophetic appointed times because it, 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 it is. It's this appointment book that God made right. in Exodus and Leviticus. And you take Isaiah and you lay a foundation of prophecy and then you all start sudden, putting all these appointments on top of like it. Like Nephi said. Daniel's can, numbers and. You can understand prophecy if you understand the prophetic types and shadows. Thank you very much. We're very grateful for the opportunity to share this with you. I hope hope that, number one, I hope you just don't throw it out because this is not, according to tradition, this is totally built piece by piece, scripture by scripture, and is totally self-contained by the information. I did not tell the information what to tell me. The information told me. The way it worked. The way it worked. Happy first fruits. Yeah, happy first fruits, (laughs) which you would call Easter, which I would say. We call first fruits. We call first fruits because there's some pretty bad connotations on the gospel. We're not going into that. And we won't go there because we don't believe in throwing out the baby with the bathwater. But the truth of it is. It is the day of first fruits. And Jesus Christ is the first fruit of the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15. And he says, I'm the resurrection. Resurrection was first fruits. Thank you very much. Till next time.
See you next time. <laughs>